Welcome to the uh, Brookie and Burjo podcast. Welcome, Darren Burgess. Hey, Doc. Good to be here again. Uh, that song again keeps propping up, doesn't it? You'll never walk alone. That was the Celtic version. Celtic uh, adopted the, uh, the song. There's a lot of argument whether Liverpool or Celtic were the first ones to use the song. And I've done extensive research on this, and my sure answer have. is yes. it was Liverpool, yeah. who uh, in 1963, after Jerry and the Pacemakers put out their version, they adopted it. Celtic, it seems to be the most likely thing is during the 1970s, they played a whole bunch of friendlies and testimonial matches against Liverpool, and from that time they've been uh, singing as well. But to Celtic's credit, they uh, the Scots reckon they sing it better than the uh, the Liverpoolians. But uh, you just had to come back then because you'd single handedly uh, put all every Scots person off, <laughs> off the podcast by uh, by saying that Liverpool did it first. So well done for bringing them back in. No, no, they, it was very tuneful, very tuneful. Anyway, great to uh, be here again, and uh, we've got a special guest. We have a very special guest. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome the uh, title-winning Arsenal uh, women's coach in Joe Montemuro. How did I go with the... Well said, well said. Well said. So I welcome. I this special guest thing, but, uh, you know, to be in this illustrious company here, I, I think... Uh, well, we've got to talk ourselves to, up because no one else will, Joe, so yeah, uh, here exactly, we go. <laughs> exactly. No, it's, it's great to have you here. Uh, I came across Joe... Uh, during my time at Arsenal when um, when he was appointed women's coach and he had an unbelievable impact, in fact, on the whole club um, because Arsenal women's were, were the most successful uh, female football team uh, in England and then we had a very, very uh, down period, it's fair to say, uh, and then Joe came in and, and almost immediately uh, brought the team the ultimate success. So, Welcome, Joe. Give us, uh, for those who don't know, give us a, a quick spiel about your background and how uh, a young Italian from Northcote, 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 Northcote. Uh, West Garth Street, Northcote, for the ones who uh, who know, who know, um, who know. found his way, uh, you know, a few stops along the way, but uh, to to winning the title at at, at Arsenal. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, uh, probably it's a long story. I think. Uh, but nothing, nothing that uh, I think any other coaching journey, uh, you know, is sort of is any different. I, I think uh, you, you you make the sacrifices, you you do what you love, and uh, you go along that that journey. Look, uh, growing up in a migrant family, obviously uh, Brunswick Juventus, and uh, <laughs> Juventus was the uh, was the team of of the of the of the Italian migrants. Uh, grew up there in the in the junior ranks and played uh, a handful of games in the first team in the old NSL. Um, then had the opportunity to go overseas and and play in the, in, in the Italian lower leagues in the in the third division and so on. Um, started started the coaching journey quite young, so uh, decided you know at, at 27, 28 that wanted to come back back home to Australia and uh, and it was always sort of in the back of my mind as a as a player um, in in the role that I played, always questioning coaches, understanding what they want, what what they were trying to do, and 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 sort of you know just just loved the whole idea of teaching and coaching. Um, and look, just just became a junior coach and just did all those uh, all those things that you do in terms of um, you know uh, going through the process of you know winning, losing, uh, understanding teaching, understanding coaching, understanding the the processes, and um, uh, effectively um, you know got some opportunities in the old Victorian Premier League. Uh, quite young, I think I was thirty two when I got my uh, first senior senior coaching role. Uh, floated around there and um, 
um, and, and, and along the way, just um, just educated myself. Uh, I did a master's in sports coaching through the through the uh, University of Queensland. Um, did the the coaching courses, the uh, AFCA. Um, got asked to do an, uh, a UEFA A, and then went on to the, do the UEFA Pro at, at Coverciano in Italy, um, which is probably one of the best coaching schools in in the world. Uh, really? Which was which was quite uh, quite amazing to be yeah. to be in that in that forum. Um, How long did that? What sort of commitment was required for that course? The A, the A was uh, a big hit of six weeks, so I was there for six weeks. Uh, the pro license was over nine months, so I was I was at the time at Melbourne, Melbourne. No, I was at the NTC. I had I'd just been given the the NTC program, which is the National Training Centre uh, elite program for um, for girls. Um, and I was basically going in and out of Italy, so I'd go there for a week, come back. Then go. So it was it was over over a nine month period. It finished with a uh, a four, four sorry five week um, extensive stay um, at at the at the national centre, um, and we were we were there during the twenty fourteen World Cup, which effectively we we uh, we observed the Italian national team um, in their process leading into the World Cup. Uh, four club visits. Um, which then was a dissertation, uh, with a, which finished with a dissertation, and then obviously all your exams and so on from that perspective. So, yeah, all uh, you know, the ultimate sacrifice. You know, self-funded, um, did it all myself, and um, yeah, um, uh, one of the most amazing uh, opportunities that uh, that I could could have uh, could have uh, had as so a. So, how, how many Australians would have done that sort of the pro license? Um, in terms of the pro license out of Coverciano, Italy, there's I'm the only one. Right, mm. but other uh, people. Yeah, there's a, there's a few. Um, like I know, I know. Uh, I spoke to uh, Tim Cahill the other day. He's doing the pro Australia, license yeah. out of the out of the mm. uh, the English FA. Um, a few of them, uh, a few of the Australian, uh, I think, coach have, has, have done it through the the Welsh and the the Irish yeah. FA and so mm, on. Yeah. Um, I know. A few Few coaches have done it through um, other other uh, if uh, other other uh, governing bodies like Serbia and uh, and Croatia and so on. But um, yeah, I, I think the uh, you know the, the, one of the, the the biggest things for me is to do it at one of the the, the, the leading countries, and mm. that was really important to me to do it uh, at, at at one of the uh, the great the great sort of schools that that is the Italian FA. Mm. It's, it's fascinating, um, and one of the things we want to do on this podcast is get to the more difficult conversations and, and mm. the challenges involved in, in, in elite sport. And one of the things that, that's always struck me in hearing coaching journeys is you get a lot of fans, media, staff say, why has Joe picked that person or why, why would we play 4-3-3 three, three? instead of... They probably don't realise the, the number of games and sessions and visits and courses that you've had to do to get where you are now. Like it, it's, it's yeah. countless number of scenarios that you've had to do to get in this seat. And yet, how do you handle it when, I don't know, media and, and things like that say, why, why would they pick him or why would they pick her? or what? You know, how, how does that sit with you? Look, I think um, I, I definitely started to coach the best that I did or, you know, become a better coach when you, you understand where these questions are coming from. The media and the fan obviously has an opinion and has an opportunity to, to, uh, 
to say what they need to say. I notice you're prominent on Twitter these days. <laughs> Am I? Well. Really? <laughs> well, it's not me, it's someone else. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah um, and, and it's understandable, you know, the, the, they, they, and when you understand where that question is coming from and when you understand the background that it, it's a fan and they've obviously liked that certain player and you're not playing that player, you know, it's, it's the way it is. I think, I think with, um, with coaching, um, when you do a lot, when you coach a lot, when you've been in all different scenarios, when you've been in, in organisations where you struggle to even get, you know, 20 balls for training, hmm. you might not even get the cones, you might be on the second pitch. I've always looked at it as uh, an opportunity, an opportunity to make the most of what, what you've got and to still get your message across. Um, so I think it comes through just doing a lot, being in all different scenarios. I mean, growing up in, in, in Melbourne, you know, I, I obviously didn't have a, a massive playing career or, or had, you know, the reputation as, as an ex-player. So, you know, uh, there was, I think, a seven-year period where I was juggling four jobs. You know, mm. I'd be at a, at a school at 7 o'clock in the morning, then I'd be at another school at 11 o'clock. Uh, then at one at three o'clock and then I'd have a, a state team and then, you know, sometimes have an MPL club at night. So it was just normal. I just wanted to coach and I yeah. wanted to do more and I wanted to have as many experiences and learn all different facets of, of the game. Um, and, 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 and then that interaction with people and understanding people is yes. what fascinates me the most. Yeah. Your coaching journey is taking you to some interesting places, including Port Moresby. How did that happen? One of the yeah, look, one of the um, one of the greatest experiences I, I had as a coach and as a person. As a person, I think um, it was an opportunity through the Oceania Football Confederation. They were starting a, a new franchise club in in Port Moresby, which I knew very little of, and it wasn't a um, a really nice tourist destination. My <laughs> wife was telling me she wanted. She thought it would be a Fiji or a, a Nouvelle Caledonie, you know. Uh, um, and um, I just went in with uh, the opportunity to again learn and and do something new, do something from from the start. And uh, and uh, and I think the 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 best example of um, of uh, of life and uh, and culture and and being part of it and learning learning cultures and understanding cultures is that we had players coming from all different villages. Um, they'd be leaving at 2, 3 in the morning because we had to train at 6 o'clock, 6, 6.30 because it got very, very hot, so we had to be off the park by 8 o'clock. Um, and they'd be taking two buses, you know, to get to take it, take, it'd be a four-hour round trip to get to training, to get to training, you know, and, and you think to yourself, hang on, you know, uh, when when certain players who are privileged at, at certain levels are telling you stories of you know I, I you know I miss training because the the, the tires on my car my my Lamborghini was uh, <laughs> were not right you you sort of think I just think back to those times you know and uh, and I use one word in coaching it's called humility humility um, you can't learn and you can't understand and you can't you can't say, see things and, and unless you're a humble person and uh, and I. And I think the biggest lesson of humility I learned was it was at Port Moresby. It's interesting. I mean, humility is not usually a word associated with some of the high-profile Premier League managers or uh, in, in international managers. Um, are they humble or, or are they uh, a bit different? 
you're, you're asking a question that could get me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we won't know names or anything like that. But, uh, uh, look, um, uh, that's, that's for each individual's, um, you know, um, I mean, obviously us in the coaching profession, profession have to tell you how good we are, have to tell you how... What, what an amazing you know goal we scored or what an amazing play and how training was fantastic. We have to tell you these things because we have to obviously yeah. keep everyone happy and, and so on. But look, I try to be as, uh, as, as straight and as honest and, 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 and have a, an always, always a positive sort of scenario um, you know, uh, brought out in, in the way we work because we, I do the, the most beautiful thing in the world and, and I'm involved in football, one of the, for me, the, an amazing game. And when it's played with a smile on the face, it's, uh, it's incredible. So I can't speak for other coaches. I, 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 you know, um, I know that uh, humility is, uh, is what underpins what I do. If I've got to go and pick up the cones, I'll go and pick up the cones. If I've got to go and pump up the balls before training, I'll go and pump up the balls. It's not a problem for Gee, me. Gee, Berger won't even do that. So, uh, you know, you're <laughs> well, well, you know, it's, it's a pay scale thing, you know. It's a pay scale <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, <laughs> oh, it's one of the things that, um, that struck me most about watching your sessions at Arsenal uh, and, and getting feedback from the staff is, is in particular, Joe's humility. Um, but I want to... Uh, a lot of the people who listen into this podcast are high-performance staff members, physios, doctors, fitness coaches, nutritionists, and often um, uh, we and they uh, might question a coach decision because it's not based on data. You know, they might give some some information about a player who they think hasn't done enough this week, and the coach says, "No, no, no, she's fine. He's fine." Um, how do you uh, handle that sort of relationship with your staff um, mm. when they might come to you with some information based on GPS or heart rate or subjective wellness or RPEs that you, given your trained eye, know to be different? Yeah. Uh, how do you handle that, that scenario? Because ultimately the decision lies yeah, with you. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's, an ongoing, it's an ongoing conundrum and, 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 a, and a really important one and a great question, I think, um, uh, first of all, I, I like I like the friction. I like the challenge. You know, sports scientists and, and SNC guys come with data, and they think that this player needs to be topped up. Uh, this player needs a little bit more, or she hasn't done enough to to uh, to to be part of the game on Saturday or Sunday. Um, and and I and I look at it as, a, as as always a positive scenario because with that data, with that information, we can we can make good decisions. I think the biggest one is the human factor, the human um, scenario and, and knowing your players, knowing, knowing, uh, knowing who they are, where they're from, what's been their background, um, which is crucial. It's, it's, it's fundamental. It's important because I'm lucky we've got uh, 12 different cultures at Arsenal. I know the Dutch players. I know that they are not very good at the start of the week. They don't like to do much. But I know when it comes close to game day, they're on. Mm -hmm. The Swiss are switched on from when the game finishes on Sunday, recovery, boom, 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 high, high intensity machines, unbelievable. The Scots and the English are different. So you have to, you have to know the cultures. You have to understand the cultures. And you have to, you have to make it work within 
your beliefs and what you believe in. So when I get a lot of data on players, when I get information on players that they might not have reached, uh, reached uh, targets for the week, it's important to have that, but it's also important to understand where the player's at. We have a, we have a player, um, and, and I'll mention her name because I'm, uh, she's great, uh, a player called Viviana Midema. She's a Dutch striker. Um, best in the world at the moment. Yeah, I yeah. I, I'm not going to say that because she's probably going to hear this. And uh, you know, <laughs> uh, but, uh, she knows she knows what I she knows what I think about her. Um, and I I uh, got Viviana. Um, I think was she was six months into her contract. She just signed from Bayern Munich, and the training stimulus in Germany is high volume, high high levels, a lot of training, and she couldn't handle that. So she'd come off three years of niggly injuries, tired, fatigued, and she'd also come out, come out of a, a European Championships in which Holland had just won. And you could just see she was tired. She was fatigued. They got her straight into training, didn't have a break in the off-season. She's one that we need to, you know, obviously project games that she's going to miss. She's one that we know she'll be right for this one because I know where she's at. She hasn't reached the targets, but she'll be right. And it's a discussion I have with my sports scientists, with my SNC. We sit Viviana down and we say, okay, how are you feeling? Where are you at? I think, again, it's that honesty, that humility. But also, but also for me, it's really, really important with staff that they understand the methodology of what we're trying to achieve, yeah. how we want to play. Um, you know, um, yeah, I get my, my, my SNC guys tapping me on the shoulder. Uh, this player needs to do an extra 200 metres of high-intensity running. Okay, make sure it's an exercise and make sure it's a football exercise because we don't want to lose an opportunity to actually teach just through isolated running. We can teach them the movements of a midfielder. We can teach them the movements of a, of a fullback. So I'm challenge they challenge me, I challenge them but always under the methodology and the way and the philosophy of play that we believe in because that unites the staff. That has to underpin the united scenario of the staff. I love the arguments we have in our team meetings. I love the fact that that data is this and that, but when we walk out on the pitch, we have to be united. And I think I probably haven't answered your question. Oh, you have? Yeah. It's... But um, the, human, the human factor in sport is, for me, fundamental. And that, I guess, the flow on from that is, I mean, it's so refreshing to hear that um, that the challenge is and the friction sometimes is it's helpful good. for you. It's yeah, good. you like that it's because good. a lot of times people won't speak up because they'll try and avoid that to protect their job or, you know, the culture or the environment. Correct. So, yeah. um, if if the worst were to happen and you know, or you you get offered the job at I don't know Barcelona or Barcelona men's team or something like that to 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 step away from Arsenal. We were talking earlier that you don't necessarily bring a team with you, um, and that's one of the many sources of frustration amongst high performance staff uh, who might be incumbent at a club, and a new manager comes in and surrounds him or herself with their own people because you know they might not think that they'll be there for a while and surround them people with yes men and women. Um, why is it that you don't take your own posse of people around you? 
Yeah, look, I mean, I, I understand. I understand coaches uh, bringing their own staff. They trust. They trust their people. Their people that they work. There. And probably it's probably it's easier to explain um, how we want to do things um, by with people that you've already had. So I I, un, I totally understand that. I think it's um, uh, uh, one of those things that I I I love to challenge new people. I love to challenge um, the opportunity to say, okay, I believe football is played this way, which are my beliefs. We can do it this way. You're an SNC or a sports scientist that's new. You've never worked with me. How about we want football played this way. You've got expertise here. How can we challenge each other to actually make it more? So for me to do that to bring new people in, it challenges me and it doesn't make me complacent because I can believe my methodology is good, but by giving it to someone else or giving these ideas to someone, they might actually bring it to the next level. Yeah. They, might, nice. they, might actually, they might actually instill something and say, you know what, we can get high-speed running or we can get, we can get you know, re- repeated efforts in short areas this way using the football, but I've seen this so... It's probably a way of com- complacency. Um, I've I've never been in a scenario where I've been able to bring a lot of people. I've been able to, you know, sort of, you know, bring maybe an assistant coach or or have the opportunity to to um, bring people in. But I think I think that for me the the teaching and the challenge of new people and I, I'm probably going to speak a little bit soft and airy fairy. I I trust people. I I'm I'm the, I'm the first person that I'll I'll give you. I'm really empathetic. I'll I'll give you the opportunity to be you. Um, and these are probably things that I learnt in the courses. You know, we go to coaching courses. We go to we go to um, you know these these schools, and they say you've got to do it like this. You've got it. You know, this is how it's got to be, and this is how it's got to be. Well. Where does my personality come out? Mm. Where does my character come out? Where do, where do me being creative and learning and, and making mistakes and being and being where does that come out? Because that's that's the magic in coaching. Sure. This coach has this personality, I've got a certain personality, they've got a certain way. Um, and that's that's the beauty of what we do. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think yeah, I, I think it's probably the um, the ability for for me to be challenged and and be better. I want people around me that are that are you know in inverted commas better than me. So yeah, that challenges sure. me every day, every game. What have you been in a situation where it hasn't worked, where you've given the the staff member? And again, I'm particularly looking at the high performance, so doctors, physios, sports science, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, where it just hasn't worked out for whatever reason and, and because they didn't share your philosophy or they were too persistent with whatever model that they were trying to... Because I know a little bit about how you work yeah. and your, your model, yeah. um, um, which I'm absolutely convinced is the right way to do it. But has there been scenarios where it hasn't quite worked out? Have you had to have some tough conversations? Yeah, look, we, you know, obviously sometimes when you go into situations and you, and you inherit staff, you know... Um, there could be a little bit of friction, you know, because the ex coach, you know, was a, was a friend. Um, so and 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 look, that's that's understandable, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, you know, I, you know, probably be the same. I, I don't know. Um, I, I think the the interesting thing is is that 
you when you're when you're honest with your players, when you're upfront, and when you when you um, you have their their buy-in and belief, they're usually the ones to gauge the staff. Do you want to give players too much of a say? No, you don't. You want to be able to to make them understand and 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 find a happy medium and a happy balance. But they'll be the ones to tell you that whether they're they're getting the success out of certain staff members and so on. Now, I don't want to say that players gauge, you know, and and, and you know, employ and sack staff. I don't, I don't want to say that. No, no. But no. that gives you the the opportunity to assess whether it's working or not working. Yeah, there was a scenario where we had we had a certain staff member where it was a little bit of that. The play, they'd lost they'd lost the trust. They that person had lost the trust of the players, but there was a lot of underlying other things from a personal scenario. So it, you know, so knowing knowing that staff member and their history too is really really important. Yeah, you know, in and, and I think you would have to, without putting words into your mouth, you would have to know which players you could trust to be honest totally. versus the ones totally. who say, listen, I've got this other mate or totally. I just don't like doing hard work, so I don't, I don't like that particular physio yeah. or fitness coach. Yeah, and that goes back to the earlier discussion of uh, knowing, knowing the culture, knowing yep. where they've come from, yep. knowing, even knowing the cliques, you know, knowing their history of clubs, where they've come from, and that can sort of affect you and afford you to understand that type of player and then knowing which players are going to say certain things yeah, I'm right to play. I'm right to play. You're not right to play. Yep. I know you're not right to play. Or a player might say, you know, like the Dutchies. You know, there's one in particular who, after every game, there's a big, pro- there's a problem that you think she's out for four weeks. She's out for four weeks. She's done. That's it. I know well enough to say, just you know, the Tuesday, just do a little bit of movement. Wednesday, start to do a bit of this, and then Thursday, Friday, start joining in. And you see her in the 11, 11 games on the Thursday and Friday that she's fine. She's fine. So that, you have to know that. I guess that's another question, and sorry, Brookie, I'm sort of no, hogging, hogging our guest, but um, I, I reckon it's a rare opportunity to speak to an elite coach from a performance point of view and try and get some um, some of the questions that we as performance staff uh, ask and talk amongst ourselves about you guys, about you coaches, um, <laughs> and uh, uh, try and get some answers. But I reckon that's a fascinating point because culturally some players um, just don't get going until later in the week. Mm. But as and as somebody who's lived uh, his life, certainly my early career in data, you, you think, um, oh no, they need to do a certain amount on a Wednesday before they can play on a Saturday. But that's just simply not true when you go into um, uh, world soccer and uh, at, at the top level. So, how do you handle the staff when they say that your Dutch friend, who mm. because you know on game day she's going to deliver for you, yeah, so. You, you're prepared to compromise a few things during the week or accept a few things during the week? Yeah. Um, you know, the, the coach's eye is very important. Yep. Um, you know, uh, we, we, look at, we look at sessions and uh, we can tell, um, well, you know, whether, whether we're getting what we need out of it. Um, but we can also tell um, whether, whether the learning has been exactly what we... I mean, we, we design things, obviously, to get A, B and C done in a... In a, in a small-sided game, whatever it is, um, and we it might not be happening. And it's that sort of uh, similarity that we can say, okay, we've got this data, it tells us this, that's historical, but it doesn't tell me the decision they're going to make on the Sunday. Mm. It will lead to 
um, affording, I suppose, the that they're, they're in a good space physically to make a good decision on the Sunday. Yes. But I still think that the football, for me, is the learning. So we want to get them in a good space where the football's the learning, uh, stress them, make them comfortable with the uncomfortable, put them in situations because in the end, at our level, winning games is a moment, a decision and a moment. So, yeah, we want to be able to get them to a point where where physically they're in a good space. But unfortunately, the GPS data doesn't tell me that at that moment she's going to pass the ball that way instead of that way. It doesn't tell me that. Mm. When it does, I'll probably won't be able to coach anymore. Yeah. That's it, my my. So, That's so when I'll take over and you so work then, for me. So then, then Virgil, yeah. mate, yeah, your wage is going to go to the. To the no, no, can't no. get me high. No. So yeah, okay. and 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 that's where I think working together with the SNC guys because I learn a lot. I learn a lot off the SNC guys. Mm-hmm. I learn a lot off the off the off the data. You know. The most, one of the most important people in my in my uh, in my staff is my analyst. Yeah, my yeah. analyst is is crucial. And he's, he's a star. Crucial. Well, he's outstanding at what he does. Oh, so, he's yeah. crucial because it's a moment, it's a situation. Mm. But I can I can link back to how we've prepared for that moment to happen to say, okay, well, we just didn't get there. Then I can show the I can show the S and C guys and say, guys, we need to work in this area a little bit more because. We've done an action. We haven't been able to recover well. We got caught in transition, so on, so on, so on. So we need to act. Come on, let's let's work on some ideas where we can get into transition situations a little bit quicker. How do we do this? Is it over thirty meters running that we create that base? Do we need to design an exercise? So, I think for me, it's really important that the data is is crucial. It's it's fundamental, but it doesn't afford me to. It doesn't give the player the the sort of the future understanding of making a decision in that situation they will be conditioned to make it but then again it's yep. the human it's the human factor and so do you do you retrain that scenario uh, let's say there's a transition a turnover yep. from defense into attack yes and you, you simulate that on training so that they get both the physical and the tactical elements absolutely um, in that Absolutely. Uh, a lot of the things that we've been trying to work on is because we'll go back to the video analysis thing. The video analysis, I I hate when it's just you made a mistake here. You did this. Hmm. You did this. You did. I hate that. I want to pull out three clips, which are patterns, which are scenarios, which are which lead into whether it's a mistake or a good thing, because we do a lot of good things. But then we can review what we've done, but also have enough learning to prepare ourselves for the next game. So I don't want to just worry about that problem because that problem not, not, might not be a problem on the Sunday. We want to be able to use that problem to train the week going forward. Yep. Physically too. Yes. So we can say, okay, the last 20 minutes, this was happening, but you also have to put it in the context of the game. That team might have might have pressed with four players and put us under pressure, and we weren't able to get out. That's a different physical stimulus. Yes. So then we have to we have to we have to also say, okay, you know, um, who are we playing against? What have they done? What's that moment in the game? And then we can sort of find a happy medium and say, okay, I think we need to train this. We're playing against the team this week that play two banks of five. 
they know they sit deep. There's not going to be any 30-meter runs. They're not there. So mm. we know that this week we're training for short, sharp. We know that there's short accelerations, short accelerations because we're keeping the ball, we're keeping the ball. So we look at who we're playing. We can predict more or less that they're coming to Boreham Wood, they're coming to our ground, they're second last. Historically, they play with five at the back and da, da, da. Mate, there's no use doing 30 metres because it's not going to happen. We're not going to be able to break the lines. We're going to break the lines through short interpassing. So that's how we train during the week. And that's how, how <clears throat> I imagine it's really important to educate your staff so that they don't come to you and say, oh, we, we, we're doing the small side of games are too short now. Hang on, we're playing, you know, whoever. Uh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay. So there's, there's, there's those sort of... So, so I keep them busy that way. So, <laughs> so, so they, don't, they don't come to me. Uh, no, but I, I, I hate lost opportunities yes. in training. I hate it. I, I, I want to make even an isolated running drill purposeful. Yes. I want to make it pur- purposeful yeah. that there's a change of direction, there's a ball or there's, there's something involved that's going to give a fullback their movement or give a centre back their movement. So we, we would argue, you, if I put my old S&C hat on, yes. I would say that the player has the ball for two minutes <clears throat> in a game. Yep. Um, and uh, therefore they need to, uh, in order for Vivian to create space, she needs to be able to run and run yep. efficiently mm-hmm. and run um, with pace and yep. purpose. You're always training that with the ball in a football-specific activity. And do you suggest to your S&C, your fitness staff... Um, or do you say it's got to be specific? You come back to me with a with an exercise that's specific for Vivian to run into that space. Yeah, there's a there's a bit of both. There's a bit of both. Um, you know, obviously, um, it's always got to be football movements, and it's always got to be related to the way we play. We're a possession based team. We're we're a team that wants the ball all the time. So obviously, the ball is is the winner. But we might be working on we might be working on uh, sacrifice runs in the attacking third. So Viviana Midamar, we're we're building up on the right hand side. We wanted to take away a centre back. Uh, so as soon as it gets into the attacking third, we might say Viv, pull that centre back away so Daniel Van der Donk can take your space. So we will work on that movement. Yep. We'll work on that movement yep. in repetitive stuff. So we might even do it where we've got the whole eleven out. 11 against zero, we just put mannequins. It might be a couple of actions, short actions, short actions. Then all of a sudden, bang, we do it, we return. Then we do a, uh, we might have a, a defensive action in that. And we've created the stimulus. The S&C guy will say, we need to do 10 of those because that's going to get the level that we need for each player. Okay. But we haven't wasted a football opportunity because it's positional play, because our, our football's all based on positional play, how we position ourselves when someone's got the ball. What are the other? How are the other ten positioning themselves when the goalkeeper's got the ball? With positional play, and then obviously the pattern of the action. They're the two most important yep. things, and we just don't try to waste any football opportunities. So I say to my staff, don't waste a football opportunity. Yep. Make it a football opportunity. Yeah, nice. And at the end of a session, if your fitness staff uh, come up to you and say, "Look, the intensity." Hmm. has been quite low yep. in this session because of whatever you've seen, something that you want to correct. Yep. And yep. Um, in terms of topping up that that session, if you think it's required, is it uh, yeah. individual work? Is it you play another small-sided game? Do you open the field up so that they do? You know, if it's, I, I remember famously before the 2000 Olympics, I was lucky enough to watch um, 
Brazil train, and that was when they had Ronaldinho yep. and yep. Uh, playing for their uh, Olympic team. And uh, the coach gave them, uh, I think it's Juan Carlos Alberto, or uh, I've forgotten his name, yep, so yep. I'm sure I've got that wrong. 6v6 on a full field uh -huh. at the end of a session. Yep. And he relied on their competitiveness yep. and the fact that it was such an open field. Mm -hmm. That's how they got their extra conditioning work that way. The first thing I look <clears> at is the, the emotional factor. How are they? You know, there could be a, a few players that are maybe down. There could be a just, it might be just during the week after a, a very rare loss. So <laughs> they might even just, it might just be enough. Yep. So I, I, I'm going to be dead straight. Sometimes it's just gut feeling. Yeah, for sure. It's gut feeling. It's just, yep. I feel it. Nah, there, there's something going on today. There's, they're not right. Let's yep. get them off the pitch. Yep. I've cut sessions short doing that. Huh? Yep. I've done it before. That's the first thing. On a normal scenario, we'll we'll probably break them up into units. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'll I'll take the attacking third or the middle third, and and we'll just design a little bit of a pattern. There might be just some isolated running. It might be just getting to the ball and then back into defensive actions. Yeah. Might be just that. We might even take the the front third. I might give the goalkeeper coach the front third with the goalkeepers. Off you go. Let's do another ten minutes of of so on and so on. Yeah. I've never done uh, a game per se after like like as you just said but we we will break them up if we feel that they need a little bit more we'll top them up yep. but usually in a unit scenario get yep. the back four get the middle three um and again it's it's another opportunity it's another football opportunity which sure. i don't want to lose yeah for yeah. sure team meetings yes and one of the big differences i noticed from my previous experience in the afl where they have huge numbers of meetings you know with uh, individuals, with uh, lines, with teams, you know, they're constantly having meetings. To soccer, to football, um, players hate meetings. Yes. And uh, there was minimal. Yes. They might have a quick meeting be the day before a game to go through some opposition. What, uh, how many meetings a week would you have with your players? My meetings are, and, and the players throw things at me, uh, are no more than 12 minutes. That's that's a big meeting for me, a big meeting for me, um, because I think really you can only get two or three um, points across before they before they switch off. We um, the 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 review we usually do a review for first thing after a game. Um, we give them the clips. We we leave it to the players. Don't want it. That's your thing. We I don't want to know. Da, da, da. I've then broken up three elements. Um, that we we discuss with the units on a Wednesday. So there'll be two things I'll, I'll discuss with the defenders as a review leading into the week, um, and then the attackers and so on. Then on the Thursday is the main meeting that I that I have in regards to. It's a little bit of a review. We've done the review in bits and pieces, um, and then there is the main preview for who we're playing. Uh, from that perspective, and then the Saturday, I'll just touch on, you know, five minutes. Just go remember this, remember this, remember this, because we've done it during the week at training. I actually throw a lot of the information back on the players, and you got ten of them that come to me on an individual basis and say, "What did you think of that? What did you think of that?" So I, I actually leave it leave it up to the the players. There are some players that don't even look at the clips. They don't, don't want to know. They do not want to know. That's fine by me. I'm not going to throw it down, down their uh, down their throat. So so, player meetings, not so much. More, it's very ad hoc. But it's there are some structured stuff, 
Um, but it's always got to be based on the methodology, how we're going to do it. Sorry, the, the philosophy, the methodology, how we're going to do it, and then leading up into Sunday. Okay, no problems. So that if, that affords them or affects them for the week. They know that this week, this is what we're working on. We're working on pressing as a four because they try to build up as a whatever they do. So they've got an idea. Staff meetings, we have a, we have a, a sit down every morning for 20 minutes um, and just review who, I mean, they've already, the players have already filled out the data, their, their wellness and so mm-hmm. on, so we know who's, who's in good space, who's in, who's in, who's in uh, not good space. Um, and we, we can just design that. We, and then we have a, a, an all-staff meeting on a Monday leading into the week. So they're very, they're very minimal but effective um, because I might be talking a lot here because I'm forced to, but I'm, I, don't, I, don't, I don't talk much. I just bang, bang, bang. This is what we need to do. Um, each staff member has their own operational um, sort of meeting amongst sure. themselves. Yeah. They, they know. And the S&C and the, the uh, physio uh, or the medical staff also have tapped into the greater arsenal where they, they have their monthly meetings to, to sort of see the, the latest sort of scenarios. The biggest thing that I've found is uh, wherever I go, whichever club, I put the coffee machine in my office. <laughs> That's exactly Very right. important. Exactly. The best place to get to know your players because yeah. they come in, they make their coffee. I know straight away being Italian by the type of coffee, what type of person they are. Mm, okay. Uh, there you go. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah, already worked you guys out. Yeah. Soy, latte, chino. All okay, that no, come on, tell us. Uh, no, no, tell no, us. No, no, long, no, 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 black? No, 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 This is, this is, this is, this is. Oh, it's just privileged information. Long black, you know. So Tough. But that's when they feel comfortable to say, Joe, you know what? think, you know, that and this and... You know, maybe that could have been a lot better. And then I'll have an opportunity and and it has been the best thing. Yeah, brilliant. It's been the best thing. Okay, you've got through the week. Yep. It's Sunday. Yep. It's two hours before uh, kickoff. Yep. What's the coach doing? Take us through the next two hours of your of your pre-game routine. Yeah, good. Uh, very good question. I've never been asked this one. Um, Coffee? I, I, yeah, of, of course. Of course. I, I wake up I wake up at six o'clock every morning, so there's no sleeping in or relax. So that's that's usually uh, pretty good. Uh, there's, a, there's a routine. Uh, if, we're, if we're not traveling, um, I'm, I'm usually, because my daughter's with me at the moment, um, and we go and have a breakfast in, in the local, local town. Um, and then I, I, actually, I actually hate... The wait before um, before the game, I try to get there as late as I'll push it. Like they want us to be there two hours before, I'll I'll get there an hour and fifty minutes before. I'll push it because I I hate that yep. because everything's been done. Yeah. Um. So my assistant coaches have put up all the all the all the notes. We're prepared. We're prepared. Um. I'm I'm a big one for making sure that the work's done during the week. That we've sat down with the relative players, we've done what we needed to do. Um, everyone's, uh, you know, the SNC set up the, the warm up, so they, they they've done all that. Um, the assistant coaches go out and do all the warm up and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm. Do you watch the warm up? No, no. I never watch a warm up. Never. Can, can you never... tell? I'm jumping in here. Sorry, Brookie. No, um, yeah. Can you tell before a game whether the t- team is on? Or not? Can you tell whether your players will perform well or not? No. Yeah, Biggest example: answer. we we beat Chelsea five <clears> nil <throat> at Kings Meadow last year. I thought we were going to get smashed. 
they walked in, I could see, and my, my, my assistant coach comes in and goes, they're, they're, they're a mess, they're a mess. They're, they're, mate, the, 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 the possession was just a disaster. Mm. We were in a game of five. <laughs> yeah. I, I, can't, I can't tell. Mm. I just keep, I keep the spirits up. I actually just stay in the change room. I'll be talking with, with a few people and just having a chat. And um, For me, it's the best day of the week. Because I, I, it's I've done all the work. It's and I know I know within myself whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day. I know within mm. myself. I'm, I'm relaxed. Um, you know, a, an old coach told me once that if if a coach is screaming and yelling and and uh, you know and 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 coaching and commentating on the ground and getting upset with referees and crowd and everything, they haven't prepared themselves during the week. Yeah. They haven't done the work during the week. Mm. I believe that to a certain extent. And do you have a? Do you give a speech? Very you know? minimal. Yeah. Very minimal. Um, I'm not a very good motivator. Mm-hmm. I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm a really bad motivator, actually. <laughs> um, I. I know. I've. I've just let my work. Um, motivate. I've let my work, and the solid foundations of of my beliefs in football and how we bring it across. And the beliefs that the players have in that and my staff, that's, that for me is enough because that's the insurance policy. They know that if they do, I'll let you into a, a little thing. This, we call it the style rules. There are rules to, that underpin the style that we play. If They know if they do the style rules, they're the insurance policies that will get them through the game yeah, nice. that they can always fall back on. So, what, Just one last one from me. What about after the game? I mean, do you do you speak to them as a group, or do you just let them go, or uh, do you wait till the the next day, or two days later, or what? what uh, cause all different coaches have different uh, yeah. philosophies on the the yeah. after game chat, don't they? Um, Some people say it's a bad time to talk to players because they, you know, whether they won or lost, really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we if it's a a, a midweek freezing night on the in the north of England. <laughs> It's below zero and it's nine thirty, ten o'clock, and we've got a bus waiting for us to get us back, get back in the change rooms and actually get. I don't really want to care. I don't care. You know. uh, so, and that's usually a, an FA Cup uh, mid, you know, yeah. you know, Burjo, um, uh, midweek scenario that uh, you know we've probably gotten through and where we, we want to get home. Um, I usually get them in a huddle after the game. Um, and on, it's, on the pitch, or yeah, on the pitch, yeah. on the pitch, it's it's a bit of unity. I just want to show, and even for the fans, just to see that we're united and we're together, win, draw, or loss. You know that hey, this is what's happened, and there's usually just a few words, few words of encouragement, and just and just now it's done. Let's refocus, let's reassess and refocus, and on we go. You know, um, and uh, yeah, and 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 that seems to that seems to be enough. That I seems think to the be players enough. And, and I know the Arsenal players bought yeah. into your philosophy, so they, they trust your yeah. judgment on whether to give a speech, not speech, give a spray, yeah. not spray. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I can imagine that. Um, we haven't got long, so I'm going to ask you a couple of quick-fire questions. Yep. Um, the title. Most people don't know when you won the title with Arsenal, the volume of injuries that you went through and just the bare bones players at times that you had to deal with. How, how, not how did you have to deal with it, um, but what made that team and, and uh, those hardships, how did you get through those? Yeah, great question. Um, uh, historically, um, uh, and I've been, you know, sort of, uh, yeah, you know, 
quoted on this many, many times, good and bad. Um, I historically work with very, very small squads. I don't, I don't like big squads. Um, only 11 players can play. You can make three changes on, on the weekend. Um, so I don't understand why you need a squad of 25 and 30 players um, because tw player 25 knows that player 17 has to get injured for them to even get on the bench. And then hopefully someone else, you know. So for me, I, I asked a simple question, how can you stimulate every day, every session, every discussion, every training session, 25 players? It doesn't work. And so the downside of that is you can't play 11 v 11? Can't play 11 v 11. But you'll back your methodology. I back, back my methodology yeah. and we also have a, a youth structure where if I need to, need to top that up, we can, we can bring players in and yep. give them an opportunity. Um, because I want them to feel as if, hey, you know, there's an opportunity here. So we had, uh, I remember we went to the uh, the League Cup final up uh, up at Sheffield against City um, with nine contracted players. One, yeah, sorry, ten contracted players. I had to bring in eight, seven young kids because we had nine injuries. I think it was nine or ten injuries. Um, and, and, and in saying that, the, the, the thing that, you know, they do play their, their season, but there's also the international breaks and yes. I've got, you know, my whole squad's of an international, so we lose, you know, we, we, they've got an extra 10, 15 games of international level and you know, when they go away with their national teams, the stimulus sure, is yeah. all everywhere. So, so that affected that too. We, we were strong in, in, in the belief of the way we wanted to play and we stuck to that. Did we have to say all right, maybe the FA Cup this year, we've got to, we've got to let it go to focus on the league. Um, we, had to, we had to sort of put that in the back of our mind. So we had to focus on, on one or two things. Um, but we just, we just um, stripped everything back. Um, we couldn't, we, we'd have eight players at training that were fit, 10 players that were training. Yeah, you'd pull in from the youth, the youth structure every once in a while. But we just had to be creative. We had to be in, more individualised in the training and be creative. Mm, yeah. Um, in terms of that we could only do those six players, they will get that to make sure that, you know, it's, it's our back four. Okay, we'll work on the back four for Sunday. These players can't train, so they do a little bit of work with the SNC guys. They might just be, be ready for Sunday. So we just had to, we had to strip everything back and do what we could do and not, and not, not complain. There was no excuses. I, I live on a policy of no excuse. There's no excuses. That's You're doing what you love, you know, make the most of it and, and you've got the opportunity to make choices. That should be that should be the bottom line of everything yeah, and humility. Yeah, the humility and the, the no excuse, particularly you know we're we're recording this just after the COVID sort of scenario and there's a lot of restrictions on training which mm. you'll go back to. Correct, uh, no doubt. So, um, give me the best and worst thing about working with a big club like like Arsenal. What's best the, and worst? Yeah, the, the the best is that you you have the opportunity to to be the best and. And 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 challenge yourself every day. Every day is is something new, something challenging, something uh, something amazing. Um, you know, and and I think uh, that's that's what drives me. The ability to speak to someone, even it might even just be a conversation. It might even be just be speaking with the sponsorship manager and understanding. Okay, well, oh yeah, that that's interesting. You know, that's why we can't do that, or we can do that. Um, so that that's the greatest thing, and being and being part of a. You know, a brand. A, I was. A, I'm a fan. Um, I've been a fan all my life, and I know, you know these guys are cringing next to me at the moment. So, 
um, I'm a, a fan, fan for a short period of time. Short period of time. <laughs> oh, there you go. Uh, yeah. So, um, so, and and I'm and and I've got the the uh, the honour of of upholding the respect and what it means to people sure. around the world. So, you know, representing that club every day is 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 a real. Privilege. And there is there is there's undoubtedly a, a there's an aura an aura yeah. around yeah. Arsenal. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The worst thing. Um, there's Working not, with Burjo is probably... Well, you know, that was... Uh, that was No, no, by all means. Uh, we miss him. We miss him. Um, uh, yeah, look, I mean, uh, there's obviously... Um, there's always big organisations. There are, you know, little hurdles you need to jump through politically and, and so on. And that's normal. Sure. That's normal. And I, and I sort of take that um, with, an, again, an, an opportunity to try something and, 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 and see how we can do with the restrictions that we've got. Um, but not many, not many. Um, I'm, I'm very privileged and uh, I sort of pinch myself that a, a boy from Northcote is, is one of the biggest clubs in the world. Well, it's a credit to, to the boy from Northcote, uh, I reckon. Thank you. Lastly, the future of women's football. I mean, we've got the, uh, the Women's World Cup coming to Australia, New Zealand. Uh, it's a pretty exciting time to be in women's football. Yeah, I think just women's sport in general has uh, has been an amazing. You know, the cricket uh, I've seen here, and uh, you know all the other sports. Uh, you know, and and again, I, you know, I, I don't want to sit here and, and justify the existence of women's football. It's uh, they're amazing athletes. Yeah. You know, they deserve all the privileges and they deserve everything that's um, that you know that's that's been afforded to to, to men and and the big clubs. You know, um, you know, I, I challenge everyone to go and come and watch a top a top club game of football. In the UK, in France, or in Germany, um, you know, they're just amazing athletes, and and they deserve everything that they they get. Right. Well, Joe, it's been a pleasure chatting to you. We've really enjoyed uh, having you here. We've got a, a little uh, gift for our studio uh, guests: uh, the best-selling book, uh, "A Fat Lot of Good," uh, <laughs> signed by good. the uh, by, by us. Uh, wow. You can get it on the remainder shelf at the local <laughs> <laughs> bookshop. No, no. But, uh, no it's guys, very thank good you for, very, very uh, much. having trouble sleeping on long flights. Uh, yeah. uh, she guarantee you. Uh, Flight. But Joe, all the best for Thank the, you. the future uh, back at Arsenal. Thank and you. Um, you know, it's been a real privilege for us to have you uh, on no, the, look, the Brooke, I'm, uh, Brookie I'm, and Burjo podcast. I'm honoured to be in in, uh, in the presence of two <laughs> legends. Two <laughs> legends. I, as I said, I don't know what the boy from Northcote's doing here. But, uh, <laughs> the boy from Northcote's done pretty here. well. Well done, Joe. Thank you very Thanks, much. Joe. Thanks, Joe.